Hello, everybody, and welcome to what I'm going to call Impeachment 101. Uh, we are going to be covering impeachment and really the context of why we're talking about it is because of the impeachment inquiry uh, for President Trump that just was basically has been happening for the last two weeks here. Uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about impeachment that I hope that this conversation will clarify. Some of what I'll cover in this will be to explain the impeachment process, uh, explain what the Constitution says about impeachment, and finally talk about some of the events that have led up to Trump's impeachment and try to present some of the evidence that's been put forth so far. Realize that this is a uh, process that's still occurring as we speak, and keeping an eye on the news is going to change this, and I'm sure it's going to change as time goes on here. Um, you're not going to hear much bias from me. I'm really not going to be trying to put my own political opinions out there. I really want you to form your own opinions, so you won't see much of that from me. Note-taking for this exercise will not be required, although at the very end, there is a Socratic circle that will be required, and we're going to be doing that Wednesday in my class. So taking notes is not mandatory, but it may help you because there's going to be four key questions which you'll be responsible for. I hope you enjoy listening. So there is a PowerPoint that you can follow along with, and it is fairly lengthy, and I'm going to be going through it pretty quickly. So you can listen or you can follow along with the PowerPoint, whatever you want to do. Um, starting here on slide two, you have a focus question, and I'm just asking, what do you know about impeachment? Do you know what it is? Do you know what it's used for? How does it work? So take a moment. You can pause here, answer that, and then you can keep listening once you've answered. Uh, moving on, the first thing that we're going to cover is what is impeachment, as well as talk about just some of the history of it, just a few questions you'll see throughout here. So first question, what is impeachment? Ms. Impeachment is a charge of misconduct against someone in public office. Okay, There is a misconception, I believe, in our society that is that, that impeachment means that someone's getting removed from office. We're going to talk here. That is the second step. Impeachment itself is only done in the House of Representatives, and it's much like creating a list of charges and then voting on approving those charges. Okay, so think of it almost like an indictment in a criminal trial instead of a consequence. There really are no specific legal consequences that come from impeachment itself. It's more so an investigation and then a vote that will move on to a trial scenario should impeachment be accepted. After impeachment is when Probably the moment when we kind of when we think of the word impeachment is what we're thinking of, and it's what occurs in the Senate. So if, if if you're impeached as a public official in the House of Representatives, the trial goes to the Senate, and there the Senate has more of a traditional trial. And if a two-thirds supermajority, which is 67 votes in the Senate, is gathered, then that public official indeed is removed from office. And this can be just for one charge. There can be several charges. Uh, we're going to talk about Bill Clinton's impeachment trial or trial after his impeachment. And there were two charges that he was impeached for. So he was put on trial for those two charges. And there were separate votes for those two charges. But 
Impeachment itself is not the trial. It's what occurs after you're impeached that is where you could be removed. You can be impeached and not be removed from office. Moving on to slide six, I just have a few questions here on the top of the slide, so I'm just going to kind of read them aloud here. How many times has an official been impeached in the history of our Constitution? Out of the 200 plus years, uh, it's been uh, 19 times out of 62 total attempts to impeach. 15 of them were judges. So impeachment is not very common when it comes to the president, kind of like we're thinking of it in today's uh, media landscape. Uh, next question on the next slide. How many presidents have been impeached? There have been two, Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton. We'll talk about Clinton coming up here. Nixon would have been impeached and likely would have probably been the first president removed from office, but he left early knowing that it was pretty much guaranteed that would happen. So he took the easy way out and left. Next question, out of 19 impeachments, how many officials were convicted by the Senate and removed? The answer to that is eight. So not only were they impeached, but there's even less that have been removed from office. So only eight times has uh, the Senate convicted them and removed them. So you see this doesn't happen very often. Uh, slide nine, how many presidents have been convicted by the Senate and removed from office? The answer to that would be zero. Uh, there's never been a president removed from office. Both Clinton and Johnson were acquitted. Uh, that supermajority, those 67 votes need in the Senate, just too high of a, uh, too high to uh, get. The next part of our talk here is going to ask, what does the Constitution say about impeachment? And I'm not going to read all of these parts of the Constitution word for word. I'm just going to summarize kind of the gist of what it's saying. So Article 1, Section 2, Clause 5 says that the House of Representatives shall have the sole power of impeachment, okay, meaning that it's the House which initiates the process, which is what we've seen with Trump's inquiry right now. Article 1, Section 3, Clauses 6 and 7, basically says that the trial occurs in the Senate after impeachment is successful and that the penalties for being uh, tried and convicted in the Senate will not extend beyond just being removed from office. Uh, Article 2, Section 2, uh, we haven't talked much about pardons and reprieves yet, but oftentimes the president has the power to go over the legal process and pardon people who have been convicted of crimes. This is saying that if he was to be impeached or removed, that he would have no power to save himself, kind of enforcing that principle of rule of law. And Article 2, Section 4, all say that it, they lay out the conditions of impeachment, what you can be impeached for. And we're going to talk about the three of these in just a moment here, that being treason, bribery, and high crimes and misdemeanors. Uh, particularly that last one is where we'll have a bit more of a discussion. So the next question here is, what can public officials be impeached for, which we just said there from Article 2, Section 4? The, the three reasons here, I'm on slide 15 now, or on slide 16 now, um, our first treason, which no official has ever been charged with. The second bribery, there have been three times in history that uh, impeachment charges have been brought about with bribery. And then the majority, all the rest of them have been for high crimes and misdemeanors. So the big question that we have to ask here 
is what constitutes high crimes and misdemeanors. So moving on to slide 17. This is a very broad term that can refer to many types of misconduct. And Congress has done its best to try to explain that these three conditions can refer to high crimes and misdemeanors, but there's a lot of flexibility there. But what Congress has said is first that improperly exceeding or abusing the powers of the office they were elected for can get you impeached. Second, that having behavior that goes beyond the function of the office can get you impeached. And finally, misusing the office for an improper purpose or for your own personal gain uh, can get you impeached. And those would all be high crimes and misdemeanors. Uh, I'm going to just talk about Clinton's here. We're getting to Trump next. But Clinton's impeachment was the last president to be impeached. And it was back in 1998. He was accused of improper conduct with an affair he had with a White House intern. And he was impeached on two accounts in the House of Representatives. That was for perjury and obstruction of justice. Uh, He was known for a really famous phrase when uh, he was being questioned that he did not have sex or sexual relations with that woman. And this was found to be false. So that's where the perjury comes in, which is lying when you're under oath. And he also, again, had an obstruction of justice charge that he was impeached for. He went to the Senate and they had a trial. And this is where the process died because the Senate did not convict him. There was a 50-50 vote on the obstruction of justice charge, but he was not convicted and not removed from office. As we said, no president up to this point ever has been. So next we're on slide 19 here, and this is where we're going to start the case study of Trump's impeachment inquiry. And in order to understand it, I have to take us a little bit back in time. I know I said we're pretty much done with talking about history, but there is a little bit of history here that I think will provide some more clarity. And surprisingly, moving on to slide 20, we're talking about the breakup of the Soviet Union. We had the Cold War where we had this massive power struggle between the communist world and the free world, which was led by the United States. And when the Soviet Union broke up, if you look at the map here on slide 20, you see all of these countries that broke off from the Soviet Union, all the fractured countries. And this is where our story starts when you particularly look at Ukraine right here, which was one of those countries. And Ukraine has some Russian people, they're ethnically Russian there, but it's its own country. And this is where Russia later on coming up here is going to claim that, you know, we have some, we have an argument to have some claim to some of that land. And surprisingly, this relates to the Trump impeachment. So moving on, we'll fast forward to 2014 here on slide 21. In Ukraine, they had a revolution in which their president was forced to flee the country. His name was Viktor Yanukovych. And the president uh, wanted to have closer relations to Russia, which a lot of the people did not like. So much so that they started protesting, revolting, demanding that he leave. And his safety was in question. He indeed did flee to Russia. Uh, Putin, who Vladimir Putin, the leader of Russia, is then going to start to claim that Russian people need to be protected in Ukraine, particularly in a region that I have circled here on the map called the Crimea. And what Putin ends up doing 
is saying that Russia is going to take back some of its land in the Crimea. He rolls the tanks and the troops across the border and can, they take the territory. Uh, he holds a referendum, which is a vote. He puts a ballot out and says, do you think this land should belong to Russia or Ukraine? And 97% of people in Crimea voted to be annexed or taken by the Russians, which is how it remains to this day. Uh, Ukraine obviously condemned what occurred. They said, that's our land. You can't just take it. It's an illegal election. It's an illegal invasion of our territory. And in response, they're going to ask for international aid, which the U.S. will be one of their greatest champions in providing them money and funds to aid them in that. So we fast forward to 2019, and it still seems pretty unclear why we're talking about Russia and why we're talking about Ukraine, but it'll all start to make sense here in just a moment. So we fast forward to 2019. Donald Trump is our president, elected in 2016. He, in general, is much more nationalist and calls for the United States to take care of itself first, so there's less foreign defense aid in general. Um, up to this point, since 2014, the United States had given $1.5 billion in military aid and security uh, spending to Ukraine. So that's our taxpayer money, and maybe that's a discussion for later. But we've been helping them out, trying to keep Russia from expanding, who we kind of generally see as a rival or maybe in some cases even an enemy. Uh, there was already controversy about Russia during the elections. Uh, many claim that Trump was complicit in getting himself elected and that Russia was a part of that. They had a whole investigation called the Mueller investigation, which would be a topic for another time as well. Uh, we know that at this point, we're starting to already talk about the 2020 election. And this is where Joe Biden comes into the story, who was vice president under Obama. He is the front runner for the Democrats in the uh, primaries right now. So Trump obviously trying to figure out how am I going to go after him in this big election, which is sure to dominate the media next year. And then Ukraine also got a new president whose name was Volodymyr Zelensky. And this is going to be an important part of the story. So we go to July 2019 now, slide 23. Joe Biden is still the front runner in the polls. And Trump makes a congratulatory call to the president of Ukraine, the new president, for winning his election. Um, he then goes to free. He goes on to freeze two hundred fifty million dollars in security spending that the United States wanted to give to Ukraine to help um, defend themselves against any sort of Russian expansion. And there's some mixed signs here that at this time we didn't exactly understand, but that's going to change very quickly here. So we go to September, just last month here now. Biden's still the front runner for the Democrats. He's taken the, he's taking the lead. It seems like, you know, when the primaries start and the voting starts that he's going to be winning those elections and a whistleblower is going to emerge and this is where the big turning point is. A whistleblower that worked in the government that had knowledge about how the government was operating, how they were uh, treating other countries. So this person had information, uh, identity still unknown. And the whistleblower claimed that Trump had asked for dirt from Ukraine's president on Biden. And Congress immediately starts asking questions. They start to ask for Trump 
to release the transcript of the phone call. And Trump just outright said that he didn't do anything wrong and released the transcript, which we'll have here in the next slide. Um, the big controversial point here is that Trump, the belief is that Trump asked the president to investigate Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, who was appointed to a company in Ukraine. So he was on the board of directors of this company. And we'll talk about this company coming up here when we talk about the president's charges. But for the moment, Trump's asking another leader for dirt on one of his rivals, well, the, the rival he expects he'll be going up against in 2020. This is where the controversy begins. On slide 25, I'm not going to read all this to you. I'm just going to point out the end of it where it talks about Biden. Um, They're talking about the firing of a prosecutor, which I'll talk about in just a sec. But the what Trump said was that he wanted the president to investigate um, Hunter Biden and just Biden in general and what he did with this company and probably looking for them to find some sort of information that he could use to uh, give himself an advantage in the coming campaign. You know, Trump's big defense here is that he did nothing wrong, that this is legal. You can find this whole transcript on CNN, by the way, if you'd like to see it all. Uh, the rest of it doesn't really talk as much about uh, the American election, but this is where the big controversy is with this part of the transcript. Moving on to slide 26, uh, what is the president charged? He has charged that Joe Biden threatened to cut USAID to Ukraine. So back when Biden was vice president, there was a prosecutor who was seen as corrupt. Even other European countries had claimed that he was corrupt. His name was Victor Shokin, and he was fired back in 2016. This was when Obama was still president. Um, what the president claims is that this prosecutor was going to investigate the company that Hunter Biden was a part of, which was called Burismo Holdings. It's, a, again, a natural gas company. And that Joe Biden used his position as the vice president to protect his son's company. And obviously, if this was proven to be true, it would be illegal. Although at this moment, they've already kind of started investigating this, from my understanding, and they haven't found anything yet. Uh, again, though, we're waiting for the full story as, um, as days go by here. Uh, going to slide 27. So what is the president charged with? Uh, Donald Trump is charged by pro-impeachment uh, people that he's using his position to dig up dirt on political opponents, which should not be done, especially when you're president. Um, that he froze security spending to the Ukraine to force them to investigate Biden. So remember we said back um, in July he had frozen spending. And he was doing this by what they believe to try to force them to do what he's asking, and that's to investigate Biden. Um, they also believe the president is covering up any sort of corruption. And then again, just there's more charges coming. Like I've heard things about China and Australia. Um, those stories have not really been developed, so I'm not going to say too much about them. But this is someone you want to keep an eye on as they're doing this inquiry now and they're investigating and finding more things. The last thing we're going to talk about is, so after all these events unfolded, how did the House of Representatives respond um, to the whistleblower statement? 
Um, so an impeachment, let's talk a little bit about impeachment. Impeachment is not a new thing when it's come to Trump. It's been something that's been discussed probably almost since the beginning of his presidency. Although from 2016 to 2018, when both the House of Representatives and the Senate were both controlled by Republicans, it just was not realistic because most of the time Republicans are not going to vote against their own president. Um, this is something called partisanship, where you heavily favor um, your party and our politics in general for you know the last decade or more have been partisan politics, not a lot of bipartisan politics going on. Uh, but in 2018, it was a big election year for the Democrats. They retook the House representatives and they got a pretty large majority. Um, they have 235 Democratic members compared to the 197 Republican members. And this is when there started to be a lot more conversation about the possibility of impeachment. Um, those num numbers in the Senate, however, as we'll talk about here in just a moment, the Republicans still have a majority in the Senate, but not in the House. Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. She's going to be the one that's going to start this process, and she's the one that a lot of Democrats look to for leadership at the moment. So moving on to slide 30, um, why have Democrats hate, uh, hesitated to impeach? Uh, there's three reasons that I'm just going to outline here briefly. Um, some believe that they should just focus on the 2020 election, that there's only one more year of a Trump presidency and that they want to just focus on doing well in the congressional elections and hopefully uh, the Democratic presidential nominee will be the one that wins the election. Many believe they'll be unsuccessful for reasons I'll talk about here coming up on the next slide. And some also fear that impeaching Trump could actually make him more popular, that Trump is someone who thrives on attention, who thrives on the media covering him constantly. Uh, this can be, there's some evidence here that this could be true because after Clinton was impeached, he actually became more popular and it backfired on Republicans who claimed that impeaching the president was going to be a very uh, lucrative thing when it came to their numbers in Congress. This is not how it turned out for him. And there's similar fears with Trump. Uh, an impeachment inquiry. So this is, again, very briefly what has happened in the last couple weeks. September 24th, you may have heard that the impeachment inquiry began. Nancy Pelosi is the one who delivered it, saying that one of the main charges being that Trump is violating some of our election laws. He's not following his oath of office. He's misusing his power. All these things were the reasons that, he's in, that these investigations were needed. Um, we're still in the very early processes of impeachment. There are six House committees that are investigating the whistleblower's complaint. That whistleblower's identity is remaining confidential. The president himself has said that he wants to see his accuser, but there have already been threats and there have already been bounties on information for this guy's uh, identity. So that's not being released at the moment and probably for good measure until this whole thing blows over. We've already seen subpoenas, which are basically the required or the, they need to turn over certain documents. And these have been issued to high ranking people in the Trump administration, including the Secretary of State. Uh, Mike Pence has been subpoenaed as well. And uh, Rudy Giuliani, the president's lawyer, has also been subpoenaed. So all these documents relating to Ukraine 
and this phone call, and even uh, Pence made a visit to Ukraine in in place of Trump. They want to know everything that went on and all the conversations that were had. And this is what's going to form the basis of any charges for impeachment that would be put on the president. So lastly, the last slide here are potential outcomes. And these are just some ideas of mine. And again, I want to just keep my bias out of it. But it's been a huge media circus. There's been no doubt about that. I mean, everybody knows about impeachment and that it's occurring they might not understand how it's working, but they just want to know what's the result going to be, right? Um, and I'm, I expect that impeachment coverage is going to be continuous until this whole process is over. Um, we, I keep telling you, keep look, watching the news. There's going to be more findings. There's going to be more ac accusations. I'm hearing something today about a second whistleblower. So now there's two people that claim to have information. They're being protected. Um, so it should be interesting. Uh, the reality is the Democrats do have the numbers in the House to to impeach. That impeachment uh, number-wise seems to be very realistic. Um, it's where we get to the Senate where, you know, I think there's a lot of people who follow this and say, you know, is, is Trump going to be removed? Is Trump going to be removed? Looking at the numbers, if you want my honest opinion, he's not going to be. Um, remember that in the Senate, when the real trial, when the real removal from office can occur, there needs to be 67 people that charge the president on one of the things he's impeached for. And there would need to be 20 Republicans from his own party that would need to switch sides or need to go over and convict in order to remove him from office. Just where we're at right now, it's very unlikely that that's going to happen. Now, some very damning evidence can always change that if something is uh glaringly obvious that the president did something wrong, this could change. But with where we're at right now, um, I think it's pretty safe to say that a conviction in the Senate would be very difficult. So this basically concludes the talk portion. I'm just going to go over the Socratic circles. So I'm hoping that you picked up some things here. I'm just going to quickly read the Socratic circle dis uh, discussion questions that you guys will be talking about. Uh, number one is, what did you learn about impeachment? Are there any surprising facts, misconceptions, how it works, etc.? cetera? Uh, anything that you learned, hope to hear a discussion about um, some enlightenment you may have had. Second, do you believe that the charges against Trump are severe or minor? Um, do you have a problem with you know, what you've heard about this call with Ukraine right now? Do you think that impeachment is the right decision based on just these charges? Make sure that you don't put, you know, your other feelings about Trump. Remember that this is all a legal uh, battle, you know, what he's being impeached for, not all the other things. Uh, three, what are your feelings and the motivations of the mostly Democratic coalition to impeach Trump? Do you think that their intentions are true or do you think their impeachment battle here is mostly a political show to increase their own popularity? Um, so, again, impeachments being mostly led by the Democratic Party who are against Trump. Trump's a Republican, like we said. So what are your thoughts about that? I hope to hear some good thoughts there. Number four, looking at the numbers in Congress and the media frenzy surrounding impeachment, what do you think is going to be the overall outcome of this process? Do you think he's going to get impeached but not removed? Do you think he's not going to get impeached at all? Uh Give some of your predictions and, again, make it a logical prediction. Lastly, 
Um, the Socratic circles will last about four minutes each for each group. If some of the discussion dies down for these questions, you may make one of your own questions to try to keep the conversation going. Um, this concludes the impeachment podcast and just kind of summary of what we'll, we did on Monday or what we're going to do tomorrow. Um, I'm recording this Sunday. I hope that you enjoyed listening and I hope you learned something, maybe gave yourself a more educated stance when you're talking to your family, your friends about impeachment. Have a good day.